You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Let's begin with game one. The Knicks kicked off the playoffs with a monster win on the road in Cleveland. Jalen Brunson's 27 points, including a 21-point second half, propelled the Knicks over the Cavs 101-97. to The Knicks trailed early in the first quarter, but then led most of the way with uh, Brunson leaving the game early with three first-half fouls. Some of them may be questionable calls, but nonetheless, three first-half fouls had Jalen Brunson essentially on the bench for most of the first half. Julius Randle, who returned triumphantly from his 17 days off with an ankle injury, picked up the slack, scoring 16 first-half points. He finished with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Cleveland stormed back in the fourth quarter to take a brief lead, but the Knicks were able to close the game thanks to a clutch, clutch three-pointer from Josh Hart, who scored 17 points in the win, some big shots from Jalen Brunson, two offensive rebounds that were crucial, one from Isaiah Hardenstein, one from Julius Randle, and then some clutch free throws by Quentin Grimes to seal the deal. For Cleveland, it was Donovan Mitchell who led all scorers with 38 points. He had a 20-point second half. Darius Garland had 17. So, Tommy, how were the Knicks able to get this win? Yeah, you mentioned the two offensive rebounds late in the fourth quarter. They were huge. Um, so credit to, to Randall and Hardenstein for, for those two offensive boards. And that's a theme we talked about going into the series, the Knicks' ability to dominate on the glass. Um, that proved immensely important. Knicks out-rebound the Cavs 51-38 to in game in game one. Um, talked about Quentin Grimes, two clutch free throws. First two free throws of his NBA postseason career. Um, yep. Knocked them both down. Huge, huge buckets. Um, and obviously what Jalen Brunson did in the second half um, really put his imprint on the game and it's at this point we shouldn't be surprised you know going back to season one uh the the last season uh the first round series against donovan mitchell who was then with the jazz and and uh, brunson obviously then with the mavericks um we know what he is capable of doing um but i thought the guy who gets the game ball and and kind of the the, the takeaway for me was the importance and the impact josh hart had on this on this game and, and potentially has had since he's arrived in new york and hopefully yeah. we'll have for many years to come, including the next week and two weeks and however long this fun little journey this postseason lasts, um, because he was just so immensely important. 17-10, um, two assists, um, scored more points than the entire Cavs second unit combined, all four reserves. Hart had more points, had twice as many rebounds as those four second unit players from the Cavs. He had 10 boards. Um, uh, this is, as we've talked about, his first, his actual first postseason NBA game of his career. Um, joins Patrick Ewing as just the second Nick in franchise history um, with more than six, 15 points um, and at least 10 rebounds um, in, yeah. in the contest. Was 8 of 11 from the floor. Um, just did all the things that you had hoped when you made a trade and give up a first round pick for it in a midseason deal, all those things that you had hoped he'd, he'd done over the, the second half of the season. And he did it, um, you know, uh, on, on Saturday night. And, and we talked time and time again about just the way he puts his impact and, and his, his forcefulness, his, his physicality, um, yep. his ability. We saw him take that step back three pointer, which is the biggest shot um, any Nick has hit in a, in a really long time, considering yeah. the context. Um, this would have been a really tough game to lose, um, considering the Knicks had that big fourth quarter lead. Cavs came charging back. Obviously, Mitchell's going to do what he does. Um, if Knicks had blown that lead and lost game one, it would have been a really deflating loss. Um, Josh Hart, shot clock winding down. Randall and, and and Brunson can't shake loose of their defenders. 
uh, uh, Hart recognizes the, that the, you know, the shot clock's about to expire. Step back three over J.D. Osmond. Next time down the floor, um, Mitchell pulls up for a three-pointer. Hart grabs the defensive rebound, and away they go. Knicks never forfeit their lead. Um, so I just thought it was a huge, um, huge performance by Josh Hart, and, and he just gave you everything you could ask for and uh, was, uh, if not the primary reason the Knicks won this game, certainly one of the a very, very valuable contributors. Definitely can't argue with Josh Hart getting a game ball because you're right. The shot was clutch. Um, I thought his defense in this game was also exceptional. Sometimes he has trouble with the quicker guards, and I thought that he was up to the task guarding both Mitchell and Garland at various stretches in this game. So Hart, and then don't even mention the 10 rebounds. <laughs> and again, uh, him going out there and, and helping the Knicks dominate on the glass, something that we talked about really much of last week, and it really kind of, was evident in this game. I mean, they went, they had 51 rebounds compared to 38 for the Cavs. Cavs giving up 17 offensive rebounds in this game. Josh Hart, um, a big factor in that. He had five offensive rebounds in this game. So the Knicks, if they're going to be able to score on this team, if they're going to continue to get good possessions, a lot of it's going to have to be getting offensive rebounds. A lot of it's going to have to be getting multiple opportunities. Um, the, the I thought Josh Hart said something very interesting at halftime. Because I'm going back and forth, started on MSG. Uh, well, I started on ESPN for a bit. Went to MSG. MSG was the where I was for most of the game. But I wanted to go to halftime at ESPN because I know they were talking to players throughout the game. And halftime, they talked to Josh Hart. And Josh Hart said the key to the Knicks in that first half was running. Because he said, you can't defend that. And I thought, okay, that's what the Knicks feel like is the key to winning this series. They got to get out in transition. Because they know facing Cleveland's set defense, they're going to have some success. Because you got a guy, Jalen Brunson, who can just boogie on anybody and get buckets. You're going to have a shot, but that's not something they want to do for 48 minutes. So I thought the Knicks in the first half were able to kind of overcome really poor performances from RJ and IQ and Brunson on the bench. And it, by getting up and down the court, it got Randall some open threes. It got Hart some layups and drives to the basket. It got them some. Um, Rim, well, offensive rebound, put back opportunities on layups in transition. I thought that that was a big key in this game. But, I mean, we talk about the greatness of Jalen Brunson. That's what it is. I, I, you know, it's not just, oh, he's a good player or he's a guy that's hot or a guy that's, you know, you know finding his way. He's great. He's a, he's a truly great player. And to see that game, Cleveland goes in that run, and I think they cut it to one. And – Cleveland ended up still taking the lead, but Brunson like getting that ball and telling Thibodeau, "Hey, don't call a timeout. Don't don't call one. We got this here." Like even that told me, like, "Wow, this guy, he is so ready for this moment. He's not gonna let the, let the Knicks lose this game, even though they ended up giving up the lead still." And Tibbs eventually did have to call a timeout. I, I just knew how locked in he was, and the decision by JB Bickerstaff to put Chetty Oshman one on one on Brunson. Maybe the worst decision-making I've seen from any coach all in the first, throughout those first-round games I saw. Uh, I don't know if Isaac Okoro is banged up still. I know he also was so ineffective offensively. He missed all four of his threes. I don't know if that has something to do with that, but that seemed like the easiest, quickest way to die late in the game was to say, you know what, Chetty Osman, we're not going to send doubles. We're going to let you go one-on-one. We're going to sit and help defense, and you're going to guard – one of the best one-on-one scorers in the NBA. And, hey, good luck, dude. Have at it. I don't know. That that seemed like a really questionable decision. So, um, yes, major props to Josh Hart. 
props to Tom Thibodeau. I thought he coached his best game as a New York Knicks head coach. The way he managed the rotations, knowing that Randall's going to have limited minutes, trusting Obi Toppin, who Toppin gave him really good minutes in this game. Then having to maneuver Brunson getting in foul trouble and then having to maneuver RJ and IQ being so ineffective offensively and still finding a way to find the right combinations throughout the game to keep them up most of that game. And then to make the late substitutions to put iHeart back in the game, to put Quentin Grimes back in the game in the last two minutes, it was a masterclass from Tom Thibodeau. His best coaching performance by far as Knicks head coach. It was when they needed it most. So props to the entire team. Great, great team win uh, in game one over Cleveland. My only minor quibble with Tibbs was waiting a little bit long to put Grimes back in in place of You're RJ. Right. That was my quibble as well. Yeah, because RJ, but but agreed. Um, he got his uh, Tibbs had his hand forced a little bit by Randall, who's clearly exhausted, wasn't a hundred percent. Um, but, but plenty of credit to Randall for gotten hadn't played in seventeen days. Um, scored f- eight first quarter points within which the Knicks badly needed, especially with with uh, Brunson limited by by foul trouble. Um, so a ton of credit uh, both to Randall and Tibbs in that respect. Um, and yes, you mentioned Obi's minutes. I, I wanted to make sure we gave um, some some flowers to Obi. He gave them really important minutes, um, and they're going to need it um, as as Randall kind of works his way back. Um, it was kind of the ideal situation for for Obi. Um, so a lot to like there. And and yes, Brunson isn't good. He's great. And uh, he's been a true difference maker um, since, uh, you know, the, the entirety of the season, especially in the clutch. And once again, stepped up, stepped in and, and did his thing. Absolutely. I do want to make sure we give real props to Julius Randle because that is a tough spot to come in having not played for 17 days with, you know, the only playoff experience he has in his head, which we know he can get in his head very often being that Atlanta series and to him to come out and play so well in that first half, and for him to not get baited by Donovan Mitchell, who I don't know what the hell he was doing on that little scuffle. He tried to start. I mean, Randall gets clobbered, which was happening a lot through that game. He gets clobbered by Jared Allen in a play that could have been a flagrant foul. Randall only just shoves him off of him after he just got clobbered, and Mitchell looks looks like he's trying to start some kind of fight or some kind of situation, and Randall just turns around, laughs it off, this is waving at the crowd and is smiling. I'm like, okay, Julius Randle is completely locked in because a month ago, that would have been a whole situation. He would have got in Brun- Mitchell's face. He would have got a technical foul. He may have got thrown out. When I saw how he reacted to that, I said, Randle's on a different, he's on a different planet in a good way this time. He, he's on a different plane. Maybe those three weeks was what he needed, but his approach, his energy, and for him to be as exhausted as he clearly was, because he saw how gassed he was in that second half, him to go from the three-point line and sprint, sprint to the baseline to get that basketball, sprinting past Evan Mobley, guy who's you know 20 years old, in prime conditioning, hasn't missed the game, and to get that offensive rebound to ensure that the Knicks got a chance to win that game and sail it with those free throws. Uh, it was a man's performance. It was, it was a heroic performance. It was a warrior-type performance. Much, much love to Julius Randle as we record this podcast on Monday. That was a man's game kind of performance for him. Yeah, and as we talked about time and again, we don't. Randall doesn't need to score thirty plus points to be supremely effective. Exactly, um, grab an offensive rebound here and there, and and kind of do what he does. Use his physicality, use his strength, and and that's exactly what he did. And, and get some Nick some key buckets early on. Um, and his shooting percentage wasn't great, but defend, rebound, and look for the open man, and that's what he did. How do we feel about performances with RJ and IQ? Both guys struggled with their shot mightily. I think RJ did a 
I thought RJ's defense was really good in this game, and he had six assists, so he was able to impact the game in some way. IQ, I don't know what he was on, but it felt like to me he was sped up. It seemed like the playoff moment caught him, quite frankly, and I was surprised by that because um, we know what kind of big-time, big-game player he's been for the Knicks this season. Where do you see those guys kind of fitting in moving forward in this series? Do you feel confident they can turn around? Because as great as Nick Wynn was, it's very hard to think that you can get a combined, you know, 0 for 2 for four, 2 for 17 from quickly and Barrett and win many games in this series. Totally. I think IQ will bounce back. We've seen him play well in big spots. Um, he had a poor game. You're right. Didn't look comfortable. Looked like the moment was a little bit too big for him. Uh, maybe put a little bit too much pressure on himself, you know, six minute yeah. of the year conversation. And, you know, I need to step up. Maybe when Brunson got in foul trouble, may have thrown him off his game a little bit. Um, but for whatever reason, this obviously was one of the worst IQ, worst games IQ has played the entire season. Um, Absolutely. For the Knicks to get away with that is is huge. Um, and, and I do think he'll bounce back. RJ, you know, same concerns. Um, I thought he was an X factor coming into the series. Um, and I thought they needed him to play well for, you know, four games, essentially. If they can get four wins, they got to win without him playing all that well. So now maybe they only need three games, um, mm-hmm. three good games. Um, from RJ, but as you know, um, still found ways to contribute. Um, thought he, you know, should have got on the floor for a couple loose balls early in the game. Yeah, um, uh, that was that was a missed opportunity. Um, but again, defensively, um, you know, did kind of you know did, did a solid enough job. Stayed in front of guys. Was locked in. Um, and um, again, uh, the four steals, six assists. Th- those numbers matter. Um, and you know, uh, he knocked down that one three pointer. Man, that was good yeah. to see it through. Um, but again, keep attacking the basket, get your foot in the paint, uh, spray out the shooters. Those are the things you can contribute. Um, and, I, and I think we'll have a couple good games um, from RJ. And if not, you know, more Grimes, more IQ, more heart um, if, if he doesn't have it. Yeah, I, I think that it was a good sign to see RJ find a way to, to contribute because, again, his shooting was a disaster in this game. He was missing a lot of bunnies around the basket. But six assists, he wasn't being selfish. He was spraying out to guys when he needed to. And I thought the whole team, but I mean, RJ may have been the guy who's most in tune. I thought their rotations were phenomenal. It just yes. how many times have we seen guys get wide open threes and the Knicks kind of be just slow on the rotations. And I don't know. I, I don't know where all these steals were. I know at least two or three of these steals was him just being right where he thought the Cleveland Cavaliers thought their player would be him just being right there ready to steal the ball. I mean, he was very in tune with where he had to be defensively. The Knicks got 11 steals uh, for the for total for the total of this entire game. So a lot of guys had multiple steal games. Brunson had two, Mitch Robinson had two, and Randall had two. So that kind of shows you just how well uh, they were playing those passing lanes. But RJ to get four showed that he he was able to at least contribute in some way. I am not, I am honestly not that concerned with either guy because I feel like RJ is going to make some of those layups he missed. Uh, that yeah. that was that was one of the biggest things. I mean, one five, one for five from three. I have to accept that that's who he is. So I'm not right. expecting any more from that. Some of those layups, some of those bunnies he was missing. I think he'll get better shots, better opportunities, um, especially given what adjustments we may see from Cleveland moving on in this series. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And I, IQ is a gamer. I, I have almost no concern about IQ. I, I don't know. I, I agree. I think maybe Brunson getting in foul trouble kind of messed him up a little bit. But I think he'll come back in this next game. He'll respond. Uh, and the fact that the Knicks getting Josh Hart really kind of he's a problem solver. Like this is exactly what we talked about when this trade happened. It was fronts, you know, Briar is inconsistent and he has a game like this. Where else are you getting this offense? Where are you replacing that production? In the past, 
the Knicks just had to live with whatever those guys gave you. If they struggled, they were still playing 35 minutes a night. RJ was still getting his 35, 38 minutes a night, regardless of how poorly he was playing. If IQ struggled, he was going to have to play 30 minutes a night. It just didn't matter. But when you have Josh Hart on the bench, he can give you 33 minutes off the bench. And that was a huge part in this game. The bench destroyed Cleveland, which is exactly what we both said had to happen in this series. You can get 33 minutes from a guy off the bench, and he scored 17 and 10. I mean, that erases almost it completely erases your R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly problem in this game. So the, the trade for Josh Hart um, probably maybe the best trade in, during the trade deadline. I know Kevin Durant was traded, so I don't want to. Uh, you know, speak too too much of hyperbole, but it just shows how important that deal was for the Knicks. Hundred percent, couldn't agree with you more. And you know, as you mentioned, IQ only played four minutes and thirty seconds or something like that in the second half. That's not an, a luxury that most teams have. They have to rely on their uh, on their one of their best best bench players to to come. We know that IQ's played a lot of fourth quarter minutes, but having Hart there gives you that opportunity to bring in somebody who can not only eat up those minutes, can make a big impact. Yep, Knicks win 101-97, take game one over the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. So 